right. Welcome in and welcome back to the Running Hoops podcast. This is our season preview series. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by Super Chicks, the home of the last true chicken sandwich. Visit their website for their menu and locations at superchicks.com. And remember, it's chicks with an X.com. The 2022-2023 season is just days away, and so it's time to knock out some season previews. On this episode... That's right, we head to sunny Southern California to talk about USC and UCLA, two teams that figure to be in the mix in the Pac-12 this season. But first, I want to remind you that you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Running Hoops, and you can get the podcast wherever you get a podcast. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please feel free to rate and review the show. Those things always help. All right. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to take you through some basic info for each team from last year. I'll give you three names you know, three names you should know, and we'll talk about key storylines and questions for each team heading into the 2022-2023 season. We'll look at their schedule. I'll give you a breakout player, and then we'll take a look at where they were picked this season by the larger media. All right, let's get right to it and talk about the USC Trojans. Last year, they finished third in the Pac-12 with a record of 26-8, and 14-6 in league play. They went to the NCAA tournament where they fell in the first round to the Miami Hurricanes. That was a 10-7 matchup. They are coached by Andy Enfield, who has a record at USC of 183-118, and 83-82 in the Pac-12. So last year... He was able to get himself above 500 for the first time as a Pac-12 coach. They lost 54% of their production from last season, and they return 46%. They are 36th in the preseason Ken Palm, and Joe Lenardi's bracketology has them as a 9 seed. Now here are three names you know. Drew Peterson, the bad boy of the Pac-12 Looks like he's cut right out of Cobra Kai. Played over 1,100 minutes last season, averaging 12 points, 6 boards, and 3 rebounds per game. And he had 23-7 and in USC's win last year in the Huntsman Center. He has been a nice complimentary piece over the years, but is he the man? That's going to be the question for Drew Peterson, as it is going to be for this next guy, Boogie Ellis. The former Memphis transfer pulled his name out of the NBA draft and decided to return to USC. By most expectations, he'll be the focal point of the offense this year, or he's going to at least kind of get his, because Andy Enfield has talked a lot about them being a more of a guard-focused team this year instead of a big-focused team, and so you would imagine Boogie Ellis is going to be a big factor in that. And then finally, Reese Dixon Waters. Dixon Waters only averaged about 13 minutes a game last year, but in this guard-focused, guard-oriented offense that USC is going to have, Dixon Waters figures to be poised for a much bigger year. Now, here are three names you should know. Joshua Morgan. Morgan will be one of the guys called on to fill some big shoes in the front court. He only averaged three points and three rebounds last year, 
But with five-star center Vincent Awuchiku's status up in the air, he'll need to step up and do so early on. Kijani Wright, another front court player. Wright joins the Trojans having been the 49th ranked player in 24-7 sports composite rankings last year. 6'9", 235. Wright could very well start at the 4 for USC right off the bat. He projects in that spot. And he could certainly be a guy that impacts the Pac-12 and plays well for the Trojans early on. Finally, Trey White. And I kid you not on this. White was actually the 50th player in 24-7 sports composite rankings last year. So USC landed 49 and 50. He's another four-star guard and he figures to be in the mix in USC's guard-focused offense. As a fun fact... USC did not take anybody from the transfer portal this offseason. Their recruiting class was number nine overall and number one in the Pac-12. And at the recent Pac-12 media days, Andy Enfield really kind of drew a hard line in the sand. and Basically said, look, we're not going to take anybody from the portal unless there's a reason to, right? Unless one of our guys goes into the portal and we need to. We want to recruit guys, develop them, and keep them in our program, which just kind of an interesting statement from somebody like USC who certainly can dip into the portal whenever they want and get a lot of players that are very, very talented. As we look at their schedule and key games this upcoming season, it starts on November 15th with a home game against Vermont. Now, I know what you're saying. Vermont? Come on. No, the Catamounts are sneaky good. And they were 59 in the net last year on Selection Sunday. So a good home game for USC here to start the season. Their MTE is the Battle for Atlantis, which takes place November 23rd through 25th. So right during that week of Thanksgiving, they'll take on the BYU Cougars in the opening round of that event. So a double scout opportunity for Ute fans. Then they get Butler or Tennessee, and then one of Kansas, NC State, Dayton, or Wisconsin. So really three opportunities there in their multi-team event to get quality wins. On December 18th, they host Auburn as the start of a home-and-home series against the Tigers, and then they wrap up non-conference play on December 21st against Colorado State in Phoenix. And Colorado State is expected to be one of the top teams in the Mountain West. They will host the running Utes on January 14th and then head to Utah on February 25th. So what are the key questions and storylines for USC this year? Well, we've kind of talked about it already, right? What does a Mobley-less USC team really look like? The focus for USC has been on the front court the last few years. Last season, they were 15th in the country in rebounds per game. So what does a focus shift to the backcourt look like for the Trojans and If they're not able to get those extra possessions by being such a good rebounding team, how does that impact their ability to score and their ability to win games or win close games or whatever, right? Going to be interesting. And to that end, can Boogie Ellis, Andrew Peterson carry this team? They are senior leaders. They are first-team All-Pac-12 selections in the preseason. They just did the media day tour. Are they the guys that can push this team forward and keep them in the top four of the Pac-12. They didn't have any portal guys, which we mentioned, right? So which of the young guys will step up? We talked about them having the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12. That may be tested. They also had a good recruiting class the year before, and they've got some guys from that recruiting class that didn't play much last year. So will these young guys be able to step up and, again, keep them in the top four of the league? And then finally, 
Will we see Vincent Uwuchikwu this season? The five-star big, really, really impactful freshman with the cardiac issue. We don't know what his status will be as the season goes along. Obviously, wish him nothing but the best. Don't want him to rush back or anything, but it's certainly a storyline to watch for USC this season. So who's the breakout candidate on the Trojans? Like with most teams, you can go in a lot of different directions here. Reese Dixon Waters could be the choice here, but I'm going to go with Joshua Morgan, a little off the board, but they need somebody in the front court to step up here. And with his experience, his size, I think Morgan should be and could be that guy. And that means that he very likely becomes a double-digit scorer and maybe even a double-digit rebound guy. Who knows? But Joshua Morgan, my breakout candidate for USC. Where were they picked? The Pac-12 media picks them fourth. CBS Sports picked them fourth. ESPN Roundtable picked them fourth. And the Almanac picked them fourth. But we here at the Running Hoops podcast, we're no sheep. We picked them fifth. So we'll see. But that is a look at the USC Trojans. We'll take a look at UCLA right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Are you so excited for the college basketball season that you can't sleep? Well, I might have a solution for you. Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight helps you invest in your rest. Their premium pillows and bedding products will change your life without emptying your wallet. Go to pillow-fight.com to check them out and enter the promo code RUNNINHOOPS at checkout for 20%. That's right, 20% off your first purchase. Again, that website, pillow-fight.com, that promo code Running hoops. All right, let's get to it. The runaway pick to win the Pac-12 this season, the UCLA Bruins. Last year, coming off of their appearance in the Final Four, they finished second in the Pac-12 with a record of 28 and 7 and 15 and 5 in league play. In the NCAA tournament, they lost to North Carolina. In the Sweet 16, no shame in that. They are coached by Mick Cronin. Listen to these numbers. In three seasons at UCLA, he's gone 69 and 29 and 40 and 17 in the Pac-12. They lost 53% of their production from last season, so they bring back 47%. And in the preseason Kempom rankings, they are 11. No surprise here, but they are the highest ranked Pac-12 team in the AP poll, coming in at number eight. And Joe Lenardi currently has the Bruins as a two-seed in his bracketology. Now, here are three names you know. Well, we led with him, Jaime Jaquez. By far and away, the highest-profile returning player in the entire Pac-12. Jaquez returns to the Bruins for his senior season, having averaged 13.9 points per game and 5.7 rebounds. He's showing up on a number of preseason All-American lists and is the favorite to be the Pac-12 Player of the Year this year. Tiger Campbell, if you don't know the name, you know the hair. Tiger Campbell is the other half of the Bruins' backcourt that combined to play over 2,000 minutes last year. He's on the preseason list for the Bob Cousy Award, and he is a Pac-12 Media and Running Hoops podcast first team all Pac-12 player, and he is a heck of a player. He's a shorter guy. He's 5'10", but man, he can get to the rim. He can get his shot off there. The things that he can do are pretty incredible. And then finally, Jalen Clark, kind of the unsung guy of the Bruins' backcourt last year. Clark is known to be an elite defender. 
that needs his offensive game to kind of catch up to his defensive game. But he's one of these guys with some of the departures from last year that really could step into a much bigger role for the Bruins. Here are three names that you should know. Now, I have been pronouncing this Adem, and I heard somebody else pronounce it Adem. So Adem or Adem Bana. He's a five-star true freshman forward, one of two five-stars in UCLA's recruiting class this past year. He's already turning heads in practice and is the runaway pick by most publications to be the Pac-12 freshman of the year. I think I had him as a second-teamer, all Pac-12. And then the other five-star, the embarrassment of riches that UCLA has is ridiculous. Amari Bailey, he joins the Bruins, having been ranked number nine in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He's a 6'5 combo guard who figures to start opposite Tiger Campbell in the Bruins' backcourt. And this is another kid that's really, really got a high ceiling. And then you've got Dylan Andrews, who comes in as a lowly four-star to the Bruins. You really have to wonder if they've even given him a locker in the locker room because he's so low-rated. He's a true freshman point guard out of the state of Arizona, He is likely going to back up Tiger Campbell, but he could see significant playing time, especially if they try to pull back on Tiger Campbell's minutes to sort of save him for the put, not save him, but, you know, keep him fresher so that he is good to go down the stretch. UCLA is another team that did not dip into the transfer portal this offseason to add to its roster. So Mick Cronin pretty clearly believes in what they've got coming back. And you see that as evidenced by all of the picks going their way. Now, as you look at their schedule, it's really highlighted by four big non-conference games for the Bruins. They are in the Continental Tire main event, November 18th and 20th, I believe, in Las Vegas. They'll open that event against Illinois, and then they'll get either Baylor or the University of Virginia. Now, on December 14th, they travel all the way across the country as a preview of what life may be like for them In the Big Ten, they'll take on Maryland. That's the first of a home-and-home with the return game being next year. And then December 17th, just a few days later, they take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Madison Square Garden. So really four big non-conference games for UCLA. They've got early games in conference play at Stanford and against Oregon. So that could be interesting. They host Utah on January 12th, and they play in Salt Lake City on February 23rd. And again, that's a great opportunity to come out and not only see your team, but a very, very good college basketball team in UCLA. So what are the key storylines or questions for the Bruins in 2022? Well, will they live up to the hype? You've got people saying that their ceiling is the final four, but they're going to have to rely on quite a few young players in order to get there. The hype machine is certainly churning early on for the Bruins, but remember, It's Arizona's title until somebody else comes and gets it from them. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. They host Arizona on the last day of the regular season. So the schedule makers got a little bit clever and knew what they were doing with that one. Another question, will Mick Cronin's Pac-12 dominance continue? He's 40-17 and in his first three seasons in Pac-12 play. And when you look at those numbers, it's no wonder that seven of the 12 coaches in the Pac-12 currently have losing records in conference play. Between Mick Cronin and Dana Altman, there's been a lot of dominance going on. So will that continue? We'll have to see. 
Another question, is Jaime Hawkes the best player in the Pac-12? He's the runaway best player in the Pac-12 coming into the preseason, but will somebody unseat him? Will somebody unseat him on his own team? Some people think it could be Tiger Campbell. Some people think it could be Adeem Bona or even Amari Bailey. That's going to be an interesting storyline to watch. Again, the runaway preseason player of the year, but can he hold on to it? That will be something to follow And then which of the young guys are going to step up? I've talked about three of them here, and that ain't all. UCLA's got a lot of young talent on that roster. And again, did not take a transfer portal kid. Got a couple of guys from the international ranks. So who is that guy that steps up? Could it be potentially the breakout candidate? Somebody who averaged less than 10 per game last year? Well, there's a lot of options for UCLA, but... I'm going to go with a guy who scored zero points last year for the Bruins, and that's Adim Bona, the 6'9", 225", 5-star forward. He comes in with so much hype, so much expectations, and just about everybody who talks or writes about college basketball thinks that this kid's got it, and so who am I to go against that? Adim Bona, your UCLA breakout player of the year. Where were they picked? Well, this is an easy, clean sweep. 1-1-1-1-1. And they got 26 of the, I think it's 31 first place votes, maybe 33 first place votes from the Pac-12 media. So UCLA poised for a big season, but can the Bruins rise to the occasion, especially with very few opportunities in the non-conference to really make their mark? It'll be interesting to see. Well, that is going to do it for the USC and UCLA preview I want to thank you as always for listening. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Runnin' Hoops. You can listen and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. You can also rate and review the show. That always helps. But until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Runnin' Hoops podcast. And as always, go Utes.